Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good morning, everyone. Warm welcome to the Maytech Interim Results presentation for the six months ending 30th November 2023. I'm Rory, founder and chief exec at Maytech. Um, joined this morning by Neil Elton, our new CFO. Um, welcome, Neil. I'd like to thank uh, everyone for your time today. I look forward to discussing uh, the progress that we've made over the first six months of FY24. We'll need about 30 minutes to talk through the results this morning. I'm going to give you a bit of an update on the highlights um, of the last six months. Neil's going to talk through the financial results for the first half. I'm going to then provide a bit of an overview of our operational progress, um, our strategic progress, and then provide a bit of guidance on outlook for the forthcoming year and into FY25. We'll then open up the floor for questions. So in terms of highlights, I think we've done a pretty good job at navigating what's been quite a tricky period. We've really kind of focused in on the fundamentals whilst continuing to build and put in place the building blocks that will enable us to deliver the long-term success for our clients, our shareholders, and for our people. We've reported revenue of 19.1 million, a slight decrease, 7% compared to the previous year's first half. Really that dip reflects a much more kind of challenging macro environment, um, which has impacted some client budgets and some project scopes at the sort of tail end of FY23. And really that kind of hit us at the beginning of this financial year. Sales bookings, 12.6 million, down from 32.6 last year. I think it's probably worth touching on highlighting there that the sales bookings number last year was particularly strong. We were kind of comparing against quite a strong comp from last year. And we do expect to see kind of peaks and troughs in terms of our sales bookings. You know, we, we, we go after pretty large contracts and the, the nature of size and sort of timing of these contracts can vary. So although it's down um, on the previous periods, um, we're pretty confident that, that we'll have a kind of strong full year bookings number. Our contract backlog remains very, very strong. So at 61.3, really this provides strong contractual coverage remainder of FY24 and into FY25. So overall, we think we're in a pretty strong position from a contracted backlog point of view. Moving on to performance, I think the kind of thing I want to highlight here is we really kind of honed in on improving you know, management and cost control within our organization really over the last 12 months. We've got kind of much more streamlined organization now. We, have, we reduced headcount, reduced contractor numbers, you know, significantly enhanced billable utilization. You know, there's been a real, real focus in the organization across this performance. And those efforts have started to pay off. You know, we've seen a significant improvement in our profitability in the first half. Gross profit margin expanding by 420 basis points to 37.1. Adjusted EBITDA margin increasing by 480 basis points to 7.3%. And really kind of both of these highlight kind of significant improvement in our um, financial health, operational efficiency, and performance within the business. So we're pleased, pleased by these. You know, clear, clearly more to do still, um, but we're pleased by the progress and we're expecting this progress to continue in H2 and then into FY25 as well. So, so this is a trend we're expecting to continue moving forwards. Just want to kind of touch briefly on framework. So we've extended our reach within the public sector over the kind of first half of this year by landing a number of places on strategic frameworks. So as some of you will know, frameworks are a mechanism for us to contract with different government organizations 
And over the first half, we got a place on the, the new FCA framework, um, the Dallas framework, which is the primary framework used by HMRC, um, and as a subcontractor into the DIPS framework, which is a new defense framework that's been put in place. So although it doesn't contribute revenue, it does open up the market to us and gives us opportunities and optionality around how we can expand our client base. So we're, we're pretty excited about, about all of these. We're also pleased with the progress we've been making on senior hires. So um, we've made a kind of number of senior appointments into the business. So Neil being the most recent, we've also appointed Wayne, who's our new chief people officer. So these appointments are really about kind of putting in place the kind of right team that will enable us to continue to grow the business and have the right kind of leadership in the organization to take us forward as we become a larger and larger business. So really excited to have these people in the organization. So I think overall, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with what we've achieved in the first half. Um, I think the business is now in a much a much stronger position to drive profitable growth and free cash flow moving forwards. Um, so really excited about that and looking forward to what we can achieve in the second half of this year and into FY25. So with that, I'm going to hand over to Neil, who's going to talk through the numbers in a bit more detail. Thank you, Rory. I will first talk through the financial highlights for the first half of FY24, being the six months ending the 30th of November 2023. Unless stated otherwise, Comparative figures relate to the equivalent prior year period being the six months to the 30th of November 2022. Revenue of £19.1 million was 7% down on the prior year figure of £20.6 million. This relates to a lower than normal order backlog in some, but not all parts of the business, and some client delays slowing down the conversion of the contracted backlog to revenue. Despite the decline in revenue, gross profit increased in absolute terms from £6.8 million to £7.1 million, and gross margins increased significantly by 420 basis points, from 32.9% to 37.1%, and I will give more detail on this in a moment. This strong gross margin performance fed through to adjusted EBITDA, which increased by 180%, from half a million pounds to £1.4 million in the first half of this year, and EBITDA margins increased significantly from 2.5% to 7.3%. Net cash declined from £8.5 million at the end of FY23 to £7.9 million at the 30th of November 2023. And cash generated from operations of £0.4 million was significantly ahead of operating cash outflows of £1.7 million in the same period last year. And I will give more detail on cash flows later. Turning to look at revenue in a little more detail, you will see in the left-hand chart a continuation of a trend that we have seen for a number of years of an increasing proportion of revenue being represented by central government and health clients and a reducing proportion by local government. Central government represented 76% of total revenue, up from 67% in the prior year, and health representing 15% of total revenue, up from 12% in the prior year. This is part of a deliberate policy to firstly target larger contracts and secondly, to address the more fragmented and underserved local government market with targeted SaaS solutions which should deliver repeatable revenue over time. Rory will talk to us in more detail later. You will see on the right-hand chart that Maytech enjoys good client retention. The business has retained all key clients since IPO, and you will see continues to generate revenue from clients signed up over a number of years, including new clients in FY24. Despite reduction in revenue year-on-year, -year, gross profit has increased both in absolute and percentage terms. It has increased 4% from £6.8 million to £7.1 million, and by 420 basis points, from 32.9% to 37.1%. This significant improvement reflects the right-sizing of the workforce and adaptations to the staffing mix over the past year, 
as well as a reduction in contractor numbers from roughly 10% of headcount last year to circa 5 to 6% in the last period. And also it reflects an increase in biddable utilization rates. We look to build on this achievement with further initiatives and progress in productivity, capacity management, improved reporting and cost control over the coming year, and anticipate that this will continue to have a positive impact on the profitability of the business, despite the potential for softening revenue in the near term, given some of the current political uncertainty in the market. Turning to sales, bookings of £12.6 million in the first half were disappointing, particularly against tough prior year comparisons of £30.2 million in H1R FY23 and £39.7 million in H2 FY23. Given Maytech size and relative size, nature and timing of some of the contracts which we bid, it should not be a surprise that we will see peaks and troughs in contract awards. In the first half, we achieved three key sales, a £1.9 million one-year contract with the Department for Business and Trade, a £5 million two-year contract with Government Digital Service, and a £3.8 million one-and-a-half-year contract with the Ministry of Justice. What the strong sales booking performance in the prior period does mean is that the contracted backlog of £61.3 million at the end of the first half is the second highest that it has ever been in Maytech, down from £67.9 million at the 31st of May 2023, but up 28% from £47.8 million at the equivalent time last year. This strong contracted backlog underpins revenue expectations for the remainder of FY24 and into FY25. So into the next slide, adjusted EBITDA bridge, giving a bit more detail in profit performance of the business in the first half. The operating loss reduced by 36% from 1.7 million pounds to 1.1 million pounds. And looking at the bridge from operating loss to adjusted EBITDA, we launched three SaaS products in the first half of the year, and as a result, have started amortizing related intangible asset over five years. The charge in the first half of the year was 600,000 pounds, and Rory will give more color on the SaaS product shortly. After review, we have decided to fully impair the intangible asset related to Maytech's Apprenticeship Academy. This was a venture that had been developed alongside government departments such as HMRC, and although the IP will still be used in the business, we do not view this as being a core revenue generating offering. The charge in the period is £900,000. Share-based payments have reduced substantially from £1.5 million in H1 FY23 to half a million pounds in H1 FY24. The primary driver of this reduction has been a waiver of the LTIP options by Rory and the group's chief operating officer. We expect the share-based payment charge to increase in FY25 as the business continues to invest in its senior leadership team. The exceptional charge of £300,000 relates to targeted integration and restructuring actions taken during the period, and there may be some small exceptional charges of this nature in H2, but we do not anticipate any further material exceptional charges in FY25. As previously highlighted, this results in an adjusted EBITDA has increased 580% from half a million pounds to 1.4 million pounds and margins from 2.5% to 7.3%. In terms of the balance sheet, Baytech continues to have a strong balance sheet. The group had 7.9 million pounds of cash at the end of H1 and no debt. Trade and other debt has increased by 7.3 million pounds up from 6.4 million pounds at the same time last year. The primary reason for this increase in debt is that debt a days has increased to 45 days from 37. Given that Maytech's client counterparties are almost wholly government-related, we see very little bad debt risk. However, with one client in particular, we are seeing some delays in payments as a result of processing issues on their side, and we are working with the client to resolve this over the coming weeks. And lastly, turning to cash flow, you'll see on the right-hand chart how the cash position of the group has tracked over the past year from £9 million at the 30th of November 2022 to £7.9 million at the 30th of November 2023. 
The left-hand chart summarizes the bridge between adjusted EBITDA of 1.4 million pounds in a period to the net cash outflow of 600,000 pounds in the first half. The reduction in working capital of 700,000 pounds is primarily attributable to the increase in debtors referenced in the previous slide. The other key items are the cash exceptionals of 300,000 pounds and the investment in SaaS product IP of 1 million pounds, which is down from 1.6 million pounds in the previous year. We expect capitalized R&D to reduce further in the second half of FY24 and into FY25 as we continue the commercialization phase of the SaaS products. We anticipate that improved profitability, improvements in working capital, and reduction in intangible spend will help to generate positive free cash flow in FY25. And with that, I'll hand back to Rory. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. So for those of you who are new to the Maytech story, um, I thought I'd just give a, a bit of background. We provide digital transformation services to government and to UK public sector. So effectively, kind of what that means is we help government bodies move from paper-based processes, legacy operations, to move to sort of more of a sort of digital at core. Our organization is really organized around three areas. The transform area, where we advise clients on their digital transformation journeys, support, supporting them in things like changing their operating models, strategies for disaggregation, business case creation for, for treasury. And really that this work is very early stage, really small team focused specialists who, who work in the early stages with our customers. Then at the delivery part of our organization, and really this is where we work with our clients on the digital delivery of their transformation plans. So really this is things like you know, new digital services, helping clients with cloud-based technologies, building new system-facing services, improving kind of back office technologies, data platforms, et cetera. Really this delivery part of the organization is the bulk of our workforce. The vast majority of our team work within there uh, and, and then constructions around kind of number of different capabilities, cloud and engineering, user-centered design data, data and AI, delivery management, et cetera. We also have a kind of run component with our organization. Really this is where we support our clients with running their live system via managed services and also through our kind of SaaS products. A couple of things to kind of highlight from, from the first, first half of the year within this that I just wanted to touch on. Um, firstly, our data and AI practice. So um, our data and AI practice has, has doubled in size over the last 12 months, which probably isn't surprising given the, the increased talk about kind of AI within, within the market, within government, within wider society. Um, so we, we started this practice back in 2022. Um, and it's really good to see the, kind of the, the progress and the investment into this through, coming through and, and kind of growing the, the size of that team and the work we're doing within this space. We're expecting this to continue to be a big focus area for our customers moving forwards um, as they really look to kind of modernize their core data systems, enable them to take advantage of AI and the AI, AI opportunity ahead. Um, so we're, we're expecting to continue to build this team out and kind of work with customers in, in this area. So we expect it to be a, uh, an increasingly a more important area within our organization moving forwards. Also want to touch on managed services. So we've seen an increasing number of customers looking to use our managed service offering. As a reminder, our managed service offering is about running things for our clients. So it's about operating things within live environments. And one of the kind of key things to touch on there is that um, the managed services um, model is less about kind of time and materials. It's more about the provision of a service uh, for a kind of month, monthly fee. So it's a kind of slightly different um, commercial model that exists within this area. Again, we invested in starting to build this out in FY2022, 20, we're pleased to see 
you know, the, some good momentum within this area at the moment, um, and we're expecting that to continue moving forwards. You know, at this point, managed services contributing, you know, a, a very low kind of single digit percentage of our revenue. But again, we expect this to increase over time as the, as the business scales and moves forward. So kind of two areas that we're kind of you know, excited about and seeing, seeing good progress with them. Turning to our clients, our client base continues to be broad, continues to be diversified and growing. Yeah, we have clients like the Home Office, Ministry of Justice, Department for Education, NHS England, HMRC, Met Office, you know, large government organisations who collectively spend billions on technology and change. First half of the year, we had 12 key clients, each contributing circa million or more in revenue on an annualised basis. Eight of these contributed more than two and a half million annually. So really this kind of spread of large client not only kind of showcases our capabilities to engage with customers on a broad set of deliveries, it also kind of de-risks our revenue as we've got a good base of customers to work across. Over the last few years, um, we, you know, we've successfully retained all of our key clients, you know, really underscoring you know, the, the trust and value that we bring to those clients and the quality of delivery that we deliver into these organizations. Um, so we think that kind of retention and kind of building those client relationships over the long term is a really important part of, of building our business. So really kind of pleased to see that those, all those key, key clients continue to be clients today. As part of our commitment to, you know, client satisfaction and working well with customers, we undertook our first CSAT um, exercise this year. Um, we got really excited to come and encouraging to see the results. Um, so we ran this across all of our customers and scored 8.1 out of 10 um, across our customer base. And really this reflects the, you know, the consistent delivery, high quality services across the organization. Um, and we're going to continue to, to undertake a CSAT survey moving forward. So really important initiative to, to make sure we're um, ensuring quality as we, as we scale. Within the kind of first half, we won an initial engagement with a new client. We're hoping to expand this relationship over the long term as they're a kind of significant government department. Um, as touched on earlier, we also got access onto to three, three new government frameworks, which we think will provide us a good opportunity to continue to build that client base moving forwards. Um, so, yeah, ex excited about kind of the, the client base and how, how that as well, well positions. Touching on a few examples of some of the work we do, we work with people like HMRC on their multi-channel digital tax platform. We work with people like Ofgem on the green gas support levy, DVLA on provisional driving licenses, Department for International Trade on imports and exports into the UK. So we've got some kind of pretty big long-term delivery initiatives that we're involved in. Well, I also wanted to kind of touch on a couple of kind of specific examples. So another area we've been working on is on the Homes for Ukraine scheme. So this is a critical government scheme that matched Ukrainian nationals with UK sponsors offering accommodation to Ukrainians who are moving to the UK following the war. So we've had a kind of team of people working with the Home Office, Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities and, and local authorities to deliver this and launch this. We launched this initially, you know, two years ago, and we've been working with, with all these organisations on this to iterate and to improve the scheme over a little period of time now. So, you know, it's been a, a successful launch, you know, 248 expressions of interest, 131 individuals came to the UK, you know, 77% of visas were processed within 15 days. So an important piece of work that was really kind of time sensitive, you know, high profile, and really shows the strength of the relationships that we've got, got with our customers.
Another example of a kind of piece of work that we've been doing is the Criminal Justice Secure Exchange. So CGSC is the piece of technology that connects up the police national computer, the CPS, the courts. And we've been kind of supporting the Ministry of Justice on the modernisation of the Bishard component of CGSC for a little while. So we took the project over from a, a big IT provider um, and embarked on a, a pretty comprehensive sort of migration from a sort of legacy data centre to, to, to modern clouds. Um, yeah, it wasn't merely a kind of a lift and shift. It was a, a complete modernization and a, a strategic replacement of, of what was quite an antiquated set of IBM technologies. Um, so we did a lot of work with Ministry of Justice on this. We've worked closely with them to iteratively sort of move this piece of technology forward and kind of really help them move from you know, legacy technology to kind of modern technology and enable them to kind of drive change of these systems moving forward. So, you know, really important piece of work that again shows the kind of criticality of the relationships we have with our customers and government. Turning to product, as we transitioned into H1, we officially launched a suite of kind of software products that, that we developed in-house. Housing repairs, housing voice and evidence, um, the three products. And really these three products are targeted at the fragmented and underserved local government market. The housing repairs product effectively streamlines the management of housing repairs in council, social housing estate, reduces the costs and it really improves the kind of tenant satisfaction. The Housing Boys product automates the prioritization of planning work to get empty properties back into occupancy as quickly as possible. Um, really, this is about saving money. And the Voids product makes a collection of ID evidence faster, easier, much more streamlined, enabling kind of you know, council officers to spend more time on other things. So these are three products that we've launched, you know, it's the tail end of FY23 going into the first half of FY. 24. And really, these th three products mark an expansion of our core offering. Um, they move us beyond services um, and, you know, they enhance our value proposition and, and really our positioning within the market. They're sold on a subscription basis. Um, so, you know, a recurring software as a service revenue model. And really, you know, we're, we're excited by, you know, the, the predictability and the margin profiles that that, um, that will bring. Obviously, at very early stages, and we've only just started to actually market these products, and we've signed up on our first flagship customer. We'll continue to focus on the commercialization of these products over the next 12 to 18 months. And over the long term, we expect this to be an important part of our strategy. In terms of the people side of our organization, we've had a lot going on in this area as well. So a big focus for us over really kind of first half of this year is really being about kind of tighter management of our capacity and our utilization. Really, this has been a key driver of our business performance. So we've had a lot of focus on this and ensuring we've got the right mix of capabilities in the business. And we've got that as we've got kind of upcoming client demand coming down the track. We're managing our contractor numbers very closely. So reducing those from about circa 10% down to about 5 to 6% during the first half. So that's been a kind of really tight process that we've been running, that we are expecting those to uptick in the second half as we prepare for an upcoming general election. Retention levels have recovered following a, a dip in kind of H2 last year. Um, so we're really kind of pleased to see kind of a high percentage of our colleagues continuing to stay and develop their careers at Maytech. We continue to have a kind of team that's distributed across the UK. Um, and we're running a, a hybrid working model with you know, some people working remotely from client sites, some working from Maytech offices, uh, some working from home. So there's a mixture of um, ways of working that we, we, we've got in place in the moment. 
obviously kind of recognizing the criticality of experienced leadership in a scaling business, we've done a lot of work on strengthening our senior team within the first half. So welcome Neil Elton to the board as chief financial officer. Welcome Wayne Seal as our chief people officer. Both bring a wealth of experience uh, within kind of public markets, technology growth, and really excited to be working closely with both of those to build the business moving forwards. We've also implemented several um, changes within our kind of sales leadership with the number of new appointments that were made within the first half and the number more set to join in the second half. Um, so really, the, the, these changes are designed to strengthen the sales capability in the organisation and ensure we're, we're really well positioned to capture the opportunity ahead. So um, really good to kind of make, make the progress in that area as well. Turning to a bit of a recap on strategy and market opportunity, just as a bit of a reminder, you know, the market opportunity really underpinning our business is fundamentally the kind of wider digital transformation opportunity. Within government public sector, there is a lot of legacy technology. Uh, there's a lot of paper-based processes. There's a lot of things that are not fit for purpose. A lot of this has been kind of created by antiquated suppliers who spent, you know, frankly, uh, a long time maybe not doing a particularly good job. And really, there's now a kind of real strong drive to automate, to streamline, to fundamentally use digital technology to drive efficiency in how the government operates. So for us, the immediately addressable market is in the region of about two to three billion in size. Um, and really, that's the sort of digital spend that we've seen over the last few years. The market has been growing um, and we're expecting it to grow by 2.4% in the years ahead. And there's also kind of a, a wider market opportunity there with outside of the core digital area within sort of legacy and heritage spend that is, is moving across into digital. So we'd expect to see more and more of this move across into digital as more of the sort of legacy older school contracts get, get disaggregated and, and move over. Focus mostly on the UK opportunity and specifically the opportunity within central government, local government and health. But there is a global opportunity within the market and significant opportunities within other areas of the UK public sector. You know, on the global opportunity, UK has led the way for a number of years, but US, Canada, Australia, Germany, Singapore, all of these countries are also looking to modernize digital government. So we see some opportunities in those areas over the long term. Within the UK, we see kind of adjacent opportunities in areas like defence, security service, the devolved administrations in transport. So we're actively looking at kind of how we can build our business in these areas and how we can capture some of these opportunities. All in all, we really see a sort of a market opportunity here, which, which spans at least the next 20 years. You know, it's the public sector organisations um, are going to need to be responding to significant amount of change brought about by things like you know, artificial intelligence, climate change, you know, the, you know, the, the, the impact of COVID and the way, way everyone works. So we see a significant runway for, for modernization and digitization of public services. Um, so we think that's, that's really a thing that underpins the long-term opportunity ahead of our organization. In terms of the kind of key things that we are doing to capture the opportunity, um, the split across five areas, you know, first is around our offerings and our capabilities. So we're going to continue to build out our core capabilities to enable us to win larger remits within our client organizations and ultimately provide an end-to-end -end digital transformation offering to our customers. We're going to continue to deepen and expand our industry verticals. And really, this is about enhancing our reputation, getting closer to customers, you know, solving kind of deeper and deeper problems for their organization and ultimately broadening that client base. We're going to continue to expand our geographic presence within the UK to work closely with customers and clients who are distributed all over the UK. 
We're going to continue to improve our core operations and look at how we can run a more efficient and more client-centric operation, which enables our people to do the best work for our customers and deliver results for our shareholders. And on the employee side, we're going to continue to spend time building a strong environment for our people where they can learn, where they can develop and build long-term careers with Maytech. So these five areas are really the five key kind of strands within the kind of strategic approach we're taking moving forwards. And I think, I hope you'll kind of agree that we've made some good progress in all of these areas over the first half of this year. So just to finish, I just wanted to turn to Outlook. We expect to see continued improvements in margin and cash flow in H2 FY24, which is aligned with the strategic focus on operational efficiency and improving financial health. We're comfortably on track to meet our FY24 profit expectations. Looking forward to FY25, the upcoming general election undoubtedly introduces a measure of uncertainty with potential slowdowns in new customer acquisitions. However, we have very good visibility and expect 90 plus percent of our revenue to come from our contracted backlog and the renewals of ongoing contracts that we already have in place. You know, the vast majority of the work we are doing in government is critical to the operation of government. So, so it, we expect the vast majority to continue to be unaffected by, by the election that's coming up. Looking forward to kind of the second half of FY25, you know, i.e. this sort of time next year um, and onwards, we expect to see a material increase in opportunities as, as new policy and government change initiatives kick in. So, you know, we are we feel incredibly well positioned to capture these opportunities as we come out the other side of the election um, and ultimately to drive year on year improvements in profitability and to generate free, positive free cash flow in the next financial year. Um, and with that, I'm going to hand over to, to Q&A. And we've got a question from Kaiko Shelter, Can Accord. Um, I had a couple. So the first one was around the, um, I guess, general election. I'm just trying to get more color. If you could add, um, please, um, how does it manifest itself? It sounds like it's impacting both new awards, but also perhaps the ramp up or pace of delivery of existing ones. I'm just wondering if that's sort of a correct interpretation. And uh, then, you know, what would be the catalyst to sort of unlock some of that pent-up demand? Is it just the, the certainty and then sort of January 1st, um, everyone will, yeah, we're, we're off to the races. I'm, I'm just sort of, yeah, if you could just give a bit more color on that, that would be great. Uh, and then the, the second one was just on the um, SaaS revenues. And I appreciate it's very early. Um, but in the long run, what percentage of revenues could that potentially be? I mean, are we talking sort of 5 10%, 10 to 20? I'm just sort of wondering how you view the magnitude of the opportunity. Thank you. Sure thing. Um, so so on, on the election side of things, I think the how we've been thinking about this is, is ultimately it's creating some uncertainty for our clients who, who therefore have um, are slowing down some of the decision making that they might, you know, alternately make. So, so as an example, um, you know, a number of our clients are having to, to kind of run two tracks at the moment, you know, a, a conservative and a, and a labor track, um, and, and think about kind of both of those outcomes and to plan for 
both of those outcomes. So, you know, just, just that in its very, very, in its own right means they have to be thinking about a much more complicated sort of planning approach um, and, and has, you know, ha- has an impact in terms of what, what they, what they're going to, they move forward with. Now, now, in practice, a lot of the programs with the things we work on is, are, are, you know, are ongoing, are continuing on. So, so where we're seeing the impact is, is, is in, in new things and potential new things and the decision making around, around those. Um, so, um, you know, that, that, that's kind of that's where we're seeing it at this point in time. Um, you know, as I think as we get kind of closer, closer to election, we'll, we'll get a kind of stronger, stronger feel on things. Um, but that, that's kind of how, how, how we're looking at it at this point in time. Um, Neil, anything to add, to, add on that? No, I, I think yeah. it's And obviously we'd prefer a, a, um, a May election, I think, to a November election. I think that, that would help. <laughs> that certainly would, yeah. The, the sooner the better from, from our point of view. On the SaaS revenues, we, we've not kind of provided guidance on that at, at, at this point in time. And I think, I, I think as, as we get a little bit further down the track, I think we, we, will, start, we will start to do that. So um, I think you have to stay tuned for, for a bit of an update on that and our kind of view on, on kind of what we think the overall kind of scale of that can be. But yeah, we think there is a, a, there is a significant opportunity in this space um, and there is a lot, uh, there's a significant amount of spend that goes into, into the kind of product side of things within um, local government and, and more broadly within, within public sector. So we, we see a significant opportun- opportunity there, um, but yeah, not guided to that at this point in time. Thank you. Could I just ask one follow-up if that's okay, just around the general election uncertainty. I mean, is there a possibility or I guess a risk that as we get closer to the election, assuming it's in late autumn or winter, um, that that uncertainty increases or the spending patterns decrease or do you do you get the impression that we're kind of at the sort of trough in terms of activity levels yeah so our sort of view is there's probably going to be a sort of a sense at the moment is there will be a a sort of a bit of a spike in spending to push forward with stuff pre what's called the perda periods and then there will be a, a bit of a reduction during about the i think it's the um 12 weeks prior to to to, to the election and then we're expecting a, a peak following that is, is sort of the pattern we are we're sort of expecting at this point in time. But there is, you know, there, we can't know for sure, right? You know, it, it, I think it, it depends on a, a number a number of different factors. Um, I think I think for us, the what gives us a lot of confidence is the fact we've got these long term relationship with customers. We've got the contracted backlog, um, and and the things we're working on, you know, is critical to the operation of government. So, you know, the vast majority of that will continue on during during that period, um, and it's it comes back to you know what are the new things that that, that are going to be wanting to be done, and and how much of a priority are they to do at different points in time. Um, so yeah, that's how how we're thinking about it. And we'll go to Robert Plant at Radner. The international opportunity, is it an opportunity at this stage or are there things that you're doing currently to try and develop that? That's my first question. And the second one, local government. There's been a lot of press about local authorities in financial difficulties. As you explore that market, is budget pressure a good or a bad thing for you in that market? Thanks. Yeah, sure. So... 
in terms of international opportunities, you know, we're not actively exploring it at this point in time. You know, we have we have relationships with lots of people in in other international markets, but it's not something we are we're actively kind of pushing forward with or, or looking at this at this point in time. I would think over the medium term, it is something we would we would look to explore, but we want to we want to make significantly more progress within the UK before before we look at taking that forwards more more seriously. Um, Within within the local government within the local government space, um, yeah, there is there there are di- there are different pressures at play. C- clearly, kind of budgets are under pressure in, in local authorities, and and again, that's an, that's another thing that is a uh, is likely to be a kind of moving target post post election and, and kind of how budgets get reallocated post post that period. Um, but there is there's a lot of you know desire to to find efficiencies and way to do do things more effectively within the local government market you know there's clearly you know a lot of um, statutory requirements that local authorities need to provide um and and you know if there are ways to do those things more efficiently in a, in a way that kind of saves them money then there is there is appetite to you know to to invest and, and invest into into things in, in the right way now there's clearly a bunch of local authorities who you know have had say, um gone you know bankrupt and there's been kind of challenges like that which which make those those authorities um far more difficult to engage with but there's there's a number out you know, a very significant number out there that we can we can talk to and we, we, we are engaging with um who, who are looking at the type of things that we we have on offer and um, we'll go to harry evans at singers Clearly doing a really good job on margins and costs and good to see that coming through. And to that end, I guess the sort of remaining question is revenue. So I guess to what extent do you see it quite simply as backlog converting to revenue for the reasons stated insofar as critical um, services and, and that's ongoing. So backlog should transfer into revenue or to what extent are you thinking Maytech wants to improve I might say it wrongly but sort of inside sales how you think about converting that backlog you know you've won the overall framework agreement but then how you're then really going to persuade that client and kick those sort of projects into motion and to what extent you're doing any work around that to ensure I like either the the maintenance or the acceleration or, or of the monetization of your backlog. If you could talk a bit about that, that that would be helpful. Thank you. Yeah, sure, sure, sure thing. So I, I think the, the answer, really, the answer to that is we're doing a combination of all of the above, right? So we have, you know, in in terms of kind of how how we're structured, we have. Um, each of our key client key key accounts has an account team that is that is aligned to that account um, and that, that customer and is responsible sort of for managing um, the the progress against con, you know contracted contracted items, the quality of delivery, and and making sure that we're kind of continuing to kind of progress the relationship and the um, capturing the opportunity that exists within existing accounts. Um, so you know we've got a, we've got a team of people who kind of work on that stuff sort of day in day in day out, um, and we'll continue we'll continue to continue to do that, and we'll see kind of. Um, some clients will really want to accelerate spending in certain areas and others others will not and will we'll kind of burn through through contracts at different rates and we continue to see different different dynamics at play around that so uh, as an example um you know an nhs england contract that we won probably 18 months ago 
Um, the first year on that contract burned quite slow, but the second year on it has burning, been burning much, very, very fast. And the dynamics at play there were there was a restructure in the NHS organization, which slowed down, um, which was happening during our first year on that contract. So it was very difficult for our client to move things forward as quickly as they would have liked. Um, but now that's come through, that's pushing forward very, very quickly. Um, so we see those sort of dynamics at play and really we have our account teams who are responsible for kind of making sure that we are, we're pushing, pushing our clients forward so to kind of progress you know, the things that, that, that they're trying to do as efficiently as possible. Alongside that, then we've also got a kind of broader, you know, new, new contract winning um, sort of teams of people who kind of focus on those things. So going after new, new, new opportunities within client accounts and, and new, new clients as well. Um, and we use a combination of those things to kind of map out what we think the forward view is going to look like. And we'll go to Bob Lau at Zeus. Really encouraging to hear that um, you're seeing opportunities in the AI sector and we've done some work on it and see that there's a big gap in the UK market with respect to sort of the ambitions of the um, enterprises and their actual capabilities. Just want to know what sort of projects um, you're particularly focused on for them. Um, what capabilities you believe you have that you know, distinguish you in the AI sector? Because we do see it as a very big opportunity. Um, and then what you what skills you still may need to sort of acquire to sort of better address the opportunity? Yeah, sure, sure thing. So yeah, we, we've had a, you know, what we've been seeing in, in this space is, is, is a mixture of kind of very, very early stage um, AI investigation style projects with, within a number of different clients. So exploring kind of what are their options for how they might be able to kind of, you know, make use of AI to drive, to drive efficiency, you know, to reduce kind of workload in different areas to provide kind of better quality of um, service. So things like kind of case management in a, internal sort of HR type type activities. We've been, we've been doing a sort of number of different initiatives in, in those type of spaces. Um, and and you know we've got we've got a kind of team team of people who who specialize in in kind of data machine learning um you know the 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 in, in using the kind of various different models and, and tooling that exists within the the ecosystem and can you know plug and play those things together to be able to um, generate efficiencies and generate kind of um, outcomes for for clients in those spaces um so i'd say there's probably five or six different customers that we're working with on, on different engagements in in those areas um you know we'd expect that to to continue to to to, to progress kind of moving forwards um alongside that we're also seeing um a big focus for our customers on on the phrase we, we often use is, is fixing the plumbing so the the kind of the underlying sort of infrastructure that exists and the the technology that exists that enable customers to make use of um you know the ai ai kind of tools and ai things that exist in the market and there's a lot of work in that space and and we're seeing a, a number a number of different different initiatives with clients to to try and kind of fix that planning and that core infrastructure that enables them to make better use of um you know artificial intelligence um moving forward so a number of different things in, in those areas but yeah we're, we're also kind of very excited about it we think it creates um, some some kind of fantastic opportunities with our clients also drives opportunities for us as well in terms of how we can drive efficiencies within within our organisation and we, we've got a number of different initiatives internally underway looking at that too. And just a quick follow up on that is uh, do you have specific people 
fully allocated to the sector or is it sort of just drawn from different resources yeah and just want to know what your plans are for those specific resources yeah that's right so when, when we built our, our data and our ai capability at the Two, two and two and a half years ago now um they we've got a kind of specialist team in, in that area that has been kind of growing and developing over over the last few years so uh, as touched on earlier i think that that, that team has is approximately doubled in size over the um over the last 12 months and we'd expect to continue to invest into that team and see it continue to to grow grow moving forwards and we'll go to morton o'sullivan at shawcap clearly a good improvement in the gross margin and I noticed this is now in line with some of your larger peers so I'm just wondering are you pretty much done in terms of gross margin improvements for now or is it possible that a figure in the low 40s uh, which is where you've been in the past is that you know uh, achievable and sustainable do you think? Um, yes no yeah I mean we're very encouraged by you know, what we've managed to achieve in terms of um, gross margin performance there yeah, as we said in the statement yeah we are still looking at you know further developments we can make in terms of productivity capacity and better reporting so we, we do see we can make progress um, in terms of both gross margin and also EBITDA margin as well I think in that context you know it is a, a competitive market out there so I think we will see some price pressure in terms of that so I, I'm not sure that we'll see the gross margins roar away. Um, that quickly you know, in the near term, um, but certainly in terms of looking at the PL as a whole and all the way down to EBITDA, you know, I, we do anticipate seeing gains um, in, in the near term and into FY25. So there's more to go for. And uh, second question would be on the sales bookings. Obviously, you know, comparatively weak due to the macro, etc. Have you seen any stabilising or improving trends since the end of the period in terms of sales bookings, or is the environment pretty much unchanged versus the first half? I, I think I think the environment the environment is is you know it's I'd say it's I'd say it's un, unchanged. There's still a positive environment out there. There's plen- plenty of opportunities opportunities to be to be going after. Um, I think you know the 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 first half booking for us was was disappointing, but we think that there's opportunity in the second half to to kind of continue to make make good progress. Um, you know, I think I think the kind of thing to touch. Just to kind of generally touch on is there there is still opportunity in the market. It's not like it's 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 closed down. There is still things we can be winning um, in in H two and and I and I think going into kind of the first half of FY twenty five, we just think it will be slightly more subdued than we have been we've been, we've been used to over the last couple of years. And then it will real we expect it to kind of then really bounce for following following the election. And these things, you know, given it is a competitive market, these things these things play into into kind of booking figures and, and, and so forth. Um, but yeah, we're 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 pretty positive about you know where where the business will be in the coming in the coming years and, and kind of what we can what we can grow and continue to kind of develop with our customers. And we'll go to George O'Connor at Progressive. Uh, two quickies from me, please, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, Rory, you mentioned um, frameworks. I just wondered how the pricing environment is on frameworks at the moment relative to prior year deals, sort of higher, lower, no change. And then secondly, on a similar higher, lower, no change theme, uh, how is your cost per FTE at the moment, given the changes in the staff pyramid? Many thanks, both. Thanks, George. Um, in terms of the pricing environment, I, I, I'd say what, what we've seen a little bit of in the in in the first half is higher level, uh, higher kind of pricing competition, particularly from the 
the big IT providers. Um, so we've certainly seen a kind of few of those, few few of the big providers really kind of pull down on prices in certain certain opportunities. Um, so we think it's a bit more competitive than it than it has been historically. Um, and we think part of that is to do with the sort of broader um, the broader macro environment in terms of the commercial environment being harder for for, for, for a number of organisations. So people looking to, to come in with lower prices into the public sector so that that's been that that's been challenging in in, in the first half um, um in terms of the, the the fte side of things um and the, the cost base i think we we saw an increase year on year um we we would expect to see a bit of an increase kind of year on year again um, moving into into fy fy 25 but we've also been um you know as, as kind of touched on you know we've been the academy we've been running for a number of years um is kind of flowing through into the organization and kind of helping to kind of build a a balanced balanced portfolio of kind of of people in the organization so these, these sort of two things sort of count counteract counteract each other and we've, we've had a lot of a lot of kind of focus on managing that overall kind of cost base so we can continue to drive strong gross margins and overall margins in the organization so we've been, we've been trying to kind of manage that very very closely you know i don't know if there's anything you want to add to that uh, no yeah i'm nothing in terms of the employment market obviously it is less competitive than it was before yeah. um and i think within the sort of we talked about staffing mix and changing staffing mix and i think we are seeing pro- slightly proportionately more senior staff in, in that mix um but also although we have seen some cost pressure again i think we're able to maintain the gross margins um yeah, given the staffing mix um we have put in place and that's the end of questions rory do you have any closing remarks um, just a, a big thank you for everyone join, joining this morning. Um, really to, good to talk to you all um, and look forward to kind of engaging and speaking to you moving forwards. Thank you. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.